going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pals, Pass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with, oh yes, probably the most fun pay-per-view to preview all year. WWE's going back to Crown Jewel, and it's very weird previewing a pay-per-view that's happening midday on a Thursday. We're talking about Crown Jewel 2021. How are we doing? Really, really hoped I was going to have some company on this one. Unfortunately, our buddy, our pal, Jake DeMarco, is still... Uh, you know, life's still kicking him in the ass, so no hard feelings. Gonna do this one on my own. Hope to have him on for the Halloween Havoc preview later on in the week. In the meantime, please go over to Countdown Ended, show him your love. We all love him here. We all love him over on the Joe Cronin Show as well. So, Jake, buddy, love you, miss you. Hope to have you back on the show soon. And you guys, once again, have to deal with just me, and I'm sorry about that. I'm gonna... It should never be skipped over, but I'm kind of going to skip over it. Um, the political implications of WWE doing their shows in Saudi Arabia and the big money and they're bigger than WrestleMania, roddy roddy ra. I a couple years ago, I I did a preview for one of the shows, and it was with myself and Kristen when Kristen was still watching wrestling. And I called, I sort of said, you know, we're going to look at uh, Crown Jewel inside and out. And we previewed the card, but more importantly, I went into a really deep dive detail on uh, my thoughts on the Crown Jewel thing. It's not an easy thing to say. It's not as, as simple as saying, well, they should never do it. Because there's a fan base out there. There's somebody out there that's going to enjoy it, especially with some of the breakthroughs WWE has been able to have, even though people don't want to give them credit. Like, I'm not a parent, and I'm not a woman surprisingly. So I don't really want to say, you know, the, I don't really want to say very much about, like, changing things for women in Saudi Arabia. It's definitely not my place. But if you've got young female fans over in Saudi Arabia, they deserve to sit in those seats and they deserve to see WWE help break through some of those barriers that 10 years ago you wouldn't have had the triple threat match that we're going to have uh, on this show. You wouldn't have had the Queen's Crown Tournament, which we're going to talk about. And yes, is it performative? Yes, is it PR on behalf of WWE? Absolutely. Nobody's going to say that it's not. But um, I always use the analogy of Ronald McDonald House. I mean, A, look at the size of me. You know I love me some McDonald's. But B, Ronald McDonald House and the houses that they build so that families can be with their loved ones while their loved ones deal with medical stuff, etc. I don't know all the details. Just in general, it's a really good thing. And people all the time uh, will say to me, well, well, uh, McDonald's is just a big evil corporation and they only made those Ronald McDonald houses to make themselves look better. And I said, yeah, probably, but you know who doesn't care about that? The mom who's got a kid that's got to go in for surgery because he's got fucking cancer or some shit. I guarantee you, the women in that crowd, the young women in that crowd specifically, that have only known one way and have had to deal with these things that are terrible in other parts of the world, want to see that shit. When it happened before, when it was Natalia and... Who was it? Natalia and Lacey Evans. Did I like the match? No, but it was fantastic that it happened. The uh, the one that Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks did in Abu Dhabi, who which I don't even think was televised. That like that shit. I I don't want to come up here and preach and be all all mushy and all that kind of shit because this is not that kind of show. But that shit matters. Um, there's women involved in tonight's show that you guys know I can't stand. But even I'm going to say, for this one night, or for this one afternoon in our case, that doesn't matter. Like, 
if you say, oh, we don't like what the country of Saudi Arabia does and therefore they should never get a show, what you're really saying is, fuck you fans over in that part of the world for where you live. And I, I'll never get behind that. Now, in the political side of it, that WWE is helping make a place that's probably not so great look better than they are. Am I, am I for that? No. They're, they're, you know, money talks. The, the ugly truth of it is, no matter whether you're in Abu Dhabi or Alabama, money talks. And that you're not going to change that by canceling a show. And WWE owes them some shows because they were contracted before COVID hits and rah, 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 And the faster we get through these shows, the faster that 10-year contract is up. Maybe it doesn't get renewed. Think about the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, now, now as to what I think about this show itself. Are there, are there, like I say, are there political reasons why I shouldn't like this show? Of course. Was this show built like crap? Yes. Will the fallout of any of these matches matter after this show? Probably not. Is it a gigantic, over-budget house show? Yes. But I put this to you right now. Look at this card. If this house show came to your town, you would buy a ticket. And if you wouldn't buy a ticket, then you're not a WWE fan and you're probably not listening to this podcast right now. Now, as a, I have to keep saying, as a whole, right now, WWE is a dumpster fire. I've been saying that for a long time now. So I'm saying this in the context of this is a big show. Are they the matches that I would have put on it? No, but objectively, they are big matches. Are they the matches? Or did we get there how I wanted to get there? No, but some of the matches are still going to be good. I want you guys to know that I'm saying that this show... I want you guys to understand that I'm saying this show is going to be fun, but I'm saying it's going to be fun from a, hey, it's a big televised house show perspective. I'm not saying that this is even on the realms of a Sunday Night Heat or a Friday Night Rampage or a, uh, or a 205 Live. It's not, but if you want to call this a house show... This is pretty fucking good for a house show. And on the day, I've booked the day off work. No surprise to anybody, I'm sure. I'm going to sit down at 12 noon my time. This is going to be a good time, because once the show starts, I hate to say it, and I hate to sound like a crass asshole. Once the show starts, I'm watching the show. And once the show starts, I don't care where it's happening. That might make me an asshole, as I say. Uh, the political shit goes to the back, like, immediately. Now, if they do some, some pandering video package nonsense, then I'll roll my eyes and probably go get a drink. But that, it is what it is. So let's talk about the card, because I'm here to talk about the show, not the way, not all the ways the world sucks and all the ways that WWE is a dumpster fire. Starting off, we have the obligatory Mansoor match, which I have no problem with either. This is the only time this guy's ever going to get a hometown pop, let's be real. And it's Mansoor versus Ali which I really do like, and I don't know why I didn't see it. When they put them together as a tag team, WWE are the company that like to break up tag teams, I really thought that they were going to give Mansoor and Ali a tag team title shot. Now, is that going to do anything for the tag team division? No. Were they going to win? Probably not, but I like them as a team. When they got, when they got drafted to SmackDown along with... Uh, oh, who else got booked over to SmackDown? It was Garza and Umberto Carrillo as well. Uh, I thought, maybe, perhaps, because I think Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode are there as well, and the Street Profits and the Usos, that could be the beginning, like the ghost of a tag team division, but, but no, that didn't happen. They broke these guys up immediately so they could have a match in Saudi Arabia. Now, here's the thing. 
as I say, I'm always going to back Mansoor because this is the guy that either once a year or never is going to get that hometown pop. I mean, uh, I believe Mustafa Ali is, from, is actually from India. Somebody correct me down in the box below if I'm wrong. I'm really trying not to be a dick here. WWE does do tours of India. He will get a hometown pop at some point. Now, it'll be at a house show. It'll be at a random taping of, of Monday Night Raw. Or it'll be at something smaller as, as part of that tour. But it'll happen because there's not the same connotations as there is to these shows. Mansoor getting his hometown pop at the Saudi shows when he won the, when he won the Big Battle Royal. When he had matches against, like, Ziggler and, and Cesaro and all that sort of thing. It doesn't hurt my feelings at all. And the, the other side of the coin is... Other than this tag team, what have they done with Mustafa Ali? Like, he was great coming out of the Cruiserweight Classic. He was great on 205 Live, even though nobody really recognized that. He was great on the main roster when they utilized him here and there sparsely, and then they threw him in retribution, and now they've just made him an asshole. So, it's a Monsoor platform, don't get me wrong, but it's a great it's a great platform for Mustafa Ali as well. It's, it's him on a WrestleMania-sized stage, literally, uh, is it going to matter? No. Are we going to get a quick, feel-good, like I say, gigantic house show, uh, hometown pop for the winning Mansoor? Absolutely. Mansoor is going to win. Ali is going to go in there and make him look like a million bucks. Ali is a great wrestler. Mansoor is great, but there's still... I hate this because I'm not a wrestler and I shouldn't say shit like this. Um, there's a little bit of simplicity to what he does, and that's not a bad thing, but somebody like Mustafa Ali, who's a little bit more on the tick, so to speak, uh, can put a great match together with him, and the fact that they've been teaming for so long now, they've gotten used to each other, I gotta believe that that's gonna make them look great as a as opponents, and I don't know what they've been doing on the house show circuit, I don't know what they've been doing in dark matches, um, I predict this match is gonna be really good. You know what I don't care about is the next match, which is RK-Bro versus Styles and Omos. The RK Bro thing is still fun. Styles and Omos, I'm over it. Styles and Omos are acting like they're the champions going into this match, which is weird. Randy Orton, I, they can't try. Like I know they're trying to make him like the grumpy, the grumpy tag team partner of the super happy hyper guy, so it sort of makes him sound like a dick. But he's still a babyface in this role because he keeps saving him at the end of the day from all these different spots that he gets himself into. So I don't need to see Randy Orton as a babyface. I want to see Randy Orton in the upper echelon putting over people that are just stepping into that upper echelon. I don't need to see him as champion again. I don't need to see him even in the main event title pitcher, but he should be like the final boss gatekeeper before somebody becomes a main event. Like if Keith, I know they've had a couple matches already, but if Bearcat Lee is going to be a main eventer, have him go over Randy Orton a couple of times. That's fine. R um, Riddle, on the other side of the coin, has only achieved tag team titles, both in NXT and in uh, on the main roster. So get them apart. Have him have him go a couple rounds with somebody like a Damian Priest or Shinsuke Nakamura if he's over on SmackDown, because I don't remember where, where everybody went in the draft. I did, I reviewed half the draft with you guys and I never came back to talk about the other half, which is kind of shitty on my part, isn't it? Um, but either, like, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Riddle, title or not, would be fucking fantastic. You have Boogs on the outside, like, they can be jamming out together because, you know, they're all kind of baby faces, or you put them in there with Priest. Priest is a baby face as well, but... 
Priest is a babyface as well, but he's enough of a sort of a lone wolf, sort of anti-hero type character that he could get away with being a dick to Riddle, and it wouldn't be too much of a it wouldn't be too much of a stretch. Almost, I'm over the big giant guy. Um, Stalzen almost almost makes me think of um, way 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 back in the day, the Brian Kendrick when he had Ezekiel Jackson as his, as his heavy as his partner and we all remember Ezekiel Jackson and we all don't want to remember Ezekiel Jackson I mean I I don't care RK Bro probably win uh, unless unless some other tag teams get involved and this becomes a bigger match than what it is scheduled to be I don't know what they do here. I don't know why they don't have a SmackDown tag team title match on here. Like I say, they've got tag team titles over on SmackDown. You could do another round of Street Profits versus the Usos very, very easily, and it wouldn't hurt my feelings. And rumors are that Montez Ford is going to get a singles push, so maybe Usos beat them again, and that starts them down the road to Ford versus Dawkins. I don't know what Dawkins does. If Ford goes off on his own, that's... I mean, there's more hope for one of them than the other, let's be real. But I'm going to go ahead and say, for the purpose of actually making a prediction, RK-Bro are going to retain their championships, and they're going to do weird poses, and Riddle's going to keep making jokes about pot and them having snakeskin ring gear and all that sort of thing. Now, it's back. Everybody wants it back, and everybody hates it and wants it to go away. All at the same time, the king of the ring. I love the King of the Ring. I love the concept of the King of the Ring. I wish it was treated in as high a regard as the Royal Rumble. I really do. I wish they would not just start with eight guys. I wish they would start with like either 16 or even 32, let it play out for a longer amount of weeks. Uh, I would go as far as to say, like, if you're doing brackets for the King of the Ring tournament, it doesn't matter what show you're on. Like, whatever show the bracket is happening on, that's where you show up and wrestle. Um, I've always thought that the way, the way the Royal Rumble sets up the title challenger for WrestleMania is the way that King of the Ring, as a proper King of the Ring event, should set up the challenger for either SummerSlam or Survivor Series. I think it just, it follows through nicely and it's one less story that you have to book because a tournament is a story. Um... There's people that love it, there's people that think it's cool just because tournaments are cool in general, there's people that hate it, there's people that say, oh my god, they always ruin it, rowdy, rowdy, rowdy. Like, they put it on Baron Corbin, and Baron Corbin looked like a dork with it, but Baron Corbin has played up so much dork stuff, he's, he's on par or even past Cody Rhodes in the sense of... Here's another shit gimmick. Try to do something cool with it. Oh, you did something cool with it. Okay, here's another shit gimmick. He was, you know, he was the commissioner, and then he was King Corbin, and now he's Happy Corbin with Mad Cat Moss and the dad jokes. Here's my one dad joke for you, for all you guys out there. I don't have kids. I can't tell dad jokes. If I told you dad jokes without having any kids, that would make me a real faux pas. Anyways, moving on. Moving swiftly on. Um... What they did right here and what they did wrong elsewhere, which we're going to talk about in a second for sure, is they've sort of put them in a win -win, themselves in a win-win situation because you've got the final, which is Balor versus Woods. Now, a lot of people, people that are a certain way, think only Woods can win this. 
Only Woods. Woods is the only one that makes sense when, I mean, the other one literally has Prince in their name. Is it not a cool story to have the Prince become King? Even the guy that was referred to as the Demon King at one point, and he's probably going to be the Demon because it's a big, high-money Saudi Arabia show, so that's a thing. Um, I'm not blind. I get the whole Xavier Woods has been pushing for the the King of the Ring for years. It's the it's the thing that he wants. It's the thing that he's wanted since he was a kid. I I, I love that. Uh, the additional reason I love that is because Xavier Woods is the guy that has been left behind in the New Day. They pushed Kofi Kingston with a certain agenda at WrestleMania one year, and then they they're they're doing better. With Big E, I'll give them a lot of credit for that because Big E is sort of really walking that line between intensity and the guy that has pancakes in his singlet, so it's kind of working. I'm giving them benefit of the doubt. I'm giving them credit. It wasn't beaten over the head as much as it was with Kofi Mania a couple years ago. That was supposed to be Mustafa Ali. Let's just remember that. Kofi Kingston sort of stepped in on somebody else's spot. Xavier Woods, for the amount of entertainment he brings to that group, he has been so criminally overlooked and the for the amount of time that the tag team was just Kofi and Big E and Woods was just like their trumpeting cheerleader on the outside for those reasons I wouldn't mind if he won it it would be a really awesome feel good moment and, and I I can't argue with it but Finn Balor Finn Balor as he came to NXT the first time and was awesome and cut a path and then came to the main roster the first time, became the first ever Universal Champion, injured himself the same night, had to, had to, had the tragedy of winning the title and losing it in less than 24 hours, and then sort of went on through the main roster, mid-card, became sort of Smiley Finn that we all sort of hated, and then reinvented himself as the heel, as, as the, as the prince in NXT, and managed to bring some of that to the main roster. <sighs> They haven't fucked him up yet, <laughs> is, is, is all I can say. Um, that's, that's really defeatist, but it really is. Like, look at Karrion Cross, and you see how, f how fucking quickly uh, WWE rushes to ruin anything from NXT. At least the old NXT, the good NXT, not fireworks and rainbows NXT that we're going to talk about later on in the week. But they haven't fucked him up yet, and before they fuck him up, give him something cool like the King of the Ring, because... Yes, the King of the Ring has been something very, very cheesy for a long time, and it would have to be a very special person that you, you that you choose to use to make King of the Ring mean something again. And I think for that, you go with Balor. I think for that, you go with the guy who's not a comedy character. And that's not anything against Woods. That's not anything against comedy. I like stupid shit in my wrestling. I do. I like the Boogeyman. I like the 24-7 title. I think the 24-7 title is great. I like Rick Boogs. I like uh, SJW Joe Casey on NXT. I like goofy shit. But if what they're doing here is trying to pick a King of the Ring winner who's going to be the one that makes the King of the Ring mean something again, you go with Balor. If you just want a feel-good moment, and once again, I'm going to lean on the fact that it's basically a giant house show. You want to have a nice, cool, emotional moment for everybody in in the audience, everybody watching at home that sees Xavier Woods has been pulling for this for so long. You go with Woods, and as I say, I don't have a problem with it either way. It's just whoever you choose, you're taking it in a different 
direction. Equally, equally good direction, but you're taking it in a different direction. I'm going to predict that they go with Woods because I don't think that you choose a Saudi Arabia show to be the show where you choose to give the King of the Ring meaning again. But if not that, they have to do something with Balor because the last thing Balor did was fall off the top turnbuckle fighting Roman Reigns, and that's not great. Uh, as I say, they haven't fucked him up yet. That's yet is such a sad word. Right now, primarily number one in the they haven't fucked him up yet, but they've only had him for three weeks is Austin Theory. Yes, I'm aware that some of you out there are upset because he offends you and you don't like the fact that a person has a job and is able to make a living. You're weird. Stop that. But they haven't fucked him up yet. I mean, they've got him going head to head with Je Jeff Hardy, who is eternally the babyface. Uh, I, I gotta give a shout out to What Culture, who just said recently this week, like, why wouldn't they get, like, with all the weird shit that they've done with the title recently, why not give Jeff Hardy a farewell run? I 100% I, I agree with that. Would it be the absolute best? Of course not. Would it be even him the way he was five years ago? No, it wouldn't. Give him the farewell run. You've done it for enough other people. Other companies have done it enough for other people. <coughs> But right now you got Austin Theory, who's running a little mini program with Jeff Hardy, because I think as of next week, they're on different shows. So it's a, it's a mini story that lasted a few weeks. Now, the other one, the other one that I, I'm really keeping an eye on, because they haven't technically debuted yet, is Hit Row. Hit Row, right before they left NXT, was probably one of the most over things to carry over from good NXT to fireworks and rainbows NXT. And if you see Isaiah Swerve Scott and the match that he had successfully against Santos Escobar last week on NXT before uh, getting cashed in on by Carmelo, which is another awesome story, NXT's still doing some good things, we're going to talk about it later, um, they are they're in that spot too, WWE hasn't fucked them up yet, but they haven't debuted yet, so I'm still scared. At least they're going to SmackDown. Anyways, yes, there's my ramble. Long story short, you can't lose in this match. Unless they ended it in, like, a double DQ or did something stupid. Or, like, a third person just, like, pissed off Jinder Mahal comes down or something. Because that kind of stuff happens at the Saudi shows, too. But they've accidentally or on purpose, WWE have slipped on a banana peel and found themselves in a no-lose situation with Woods and Balor. And when was the last time you saw Woods doing anything as a singles guy? I mean, he fought Bobby Lashley while Big E was having his issues with Bobby Lashley, but this is, like, actually Xavier Woods's thing. Again, if they give it to Xavier Woods, I'm happy for the guy. I genuinely am. But there's a little bit of me that wants to see Finn Balor, that wants to see him play up, you know, Prince Balor becomes the Demon King, and, and all that cool, all that cool goth shit that everybody else loves to shit on these days. It's becoming, uh, it's becoming uh, suddenly really, really acceptable to be like, eh, Undertaker wasn't that good, and, you know, Kane wasn't that good, and, and this person, that person. Like, no, no. You you guys can all fuck off. Give me some, give me some spooky shit. Give me the one-night return of The Fiend, so we can get The Fiend versus The Demon properly and get that shit sorted. Because you got to remember as well, I saw The Fiend debut against Finn Balor in Toronto in the, what are they calling it now, the Scotiabank Arena, when he snapped Balor's neck. So why not do that in Saudi Arabia? Yes! I don't, I, I've well gone off the page now, so uh, this is why I need a co-host.
go wish Jake quick quick health so that I can have a co-host so that I don't ramble that much. Tell Guapo to start watching WWE again so that he can co-host so that I don't ramble off like that. I'm imploring all of you. Good, good health and good fortune to all my co-hosts. God bless them. Now, the other side of the coin, the more controversial side of the coin, which I can't really believe. People are actually upset at the Queen's Crown Tournament. Now, I touched on this when they first announced it in a topical video a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to repeat here what they said there, or what I said there, rather. People are upset that this is happening in Saudi Arabia. People are upset that it's not called the Queen of the Ring. Um, I like the fact that it's called the Queen's Crown. I do, because they didn't just look at, well, what do the boys do and cut and paste it? They actually gave it... I mean, it's virtually the same thing, don't get me wrong, but they gave it its own name, they gave it its own identity a little bit. And I'm saying a little bit, I'm not exaggerating here. They did that, and this happening in Saudi Arabia is more important than the King of the Ring. Because the King of the Ring they could do anywhere, and it would be fine, and people would cheer for Xavier Woods, or people would cheer for Balor, and do the big arm thing, and, and whatever. But again, with the, with the boundaries that they have to break through in Saudi Arabia, and I'm not going to come up here and give you guys the politics stuff, because I'm not as educated on it as I need to be, if I can be bluntly honest. But if you look at everything, if you look at the, all the criticism that WWE falls under, rightfully so, you know, the stories are shit, they don't push the right people, da-da-da-da-da, everybody has, a, has an agenda here, there, and everywhere. Um, some of the stories go too long, some of the stories go too short, some of the matches, or a lot of them, almost all of the matches, don't have finishes, and we get rematch after rematch after rematch after rematch, and yes, even though I think they've got the best women's roster out there in pro wrestling, fight me, they've sort of fallen down except for, you know, pushing the Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair agenda, and Naomi tagging along for the ride. Um, where was I going with that? There's still more opportunity for the ladies, and again, I'm not a female. I'm really trying hard to not come up here and say, well, you got this, what are you worried about? Or what are you complaining about? It's not about that, because there is, there's always stuff that could be done better. But don't tell me that there isn't more opportunities for female, I mean, basically in mainstream, mainstream North American pro wrestling on the grand stage. Like, like let's just say that. When you're looking at your WWEs, your TNAs, your ROHs, um, your AEWs, if you are, I had this conversation with somebody on Facebook before I got sent to Facebook jail. Yeah, I just got out of there today too. That was fun. If you are a young woman looking to get into the WWE right now, you can win the Mae Young Classic. You can get your contract in NXT or NXT UK. You can go for the NXT Women's Championship. You can go for the NXT UK Women's Championship. You can find a friend, and you can go for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. You can decide or not to go to the main roster, and then you go for the Raw Championship, the SmackDown Championship, the tagged... You, again, you bring that friend up with you from NXT, you get the Women's Tag Team Championships, you can win the Women's Royal Rumble, the Women's Elimination Chamber, the Women's Money in the Bank match, you can main event WrestleMania. You can now 
as of this week, be part of the breaking of that ceiling, you can be named the first ever Queen of the Ring in WWE history at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia, where not too long ago, they had to push a lot just to have Renee Young on commentary. That's important. Now, now, that it's happening is important. How they executed it was garbage. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really, really am. It's bizarre. I have to go back and I have to compare it to uh, the Evolution pay-per-view. Um, when they did the first ever women's pay-per-view, you guys know what I thought of it at the time. My opinion hasn't changed that much, but it was a big deal. It was huge. It was historic. Mickey James is trying to make a whole bunch of evolutions all, all over the place now because of the template set up by WWE. And again, I don't know what goes on in the rest of the world. I'm talking about mainstream, televised, North American pro wrestling. Evolution came along, and it was great. And it was in a smaller venue with a smaller audience, which is fine. It was an experiment at the end of the day. It was great that it happened. There was a couple good matches on the show. Overall, as a show, I can promise you, unless somebody asks me to review it one day, I'm never going to go back to watch it. It's good that it happened. Does not mean it was a good show. Those are two completely separate entities when you're talking about that show that people refuse to separate. Oh, if you say it was a bad show, then you don't want women to have a show. It's like, no, I would love the women to have a better show. Uh, same thing here. I do think the Queen of the Ring happening, or sorry, the Queen's Crown Tournament happening here, happening in this part of the world where the things that happen in this part of the world happen, and it being a first time ever and all that kind of thing is fan-fucking-tastic. But they fucked it up. Like, they fucked it up from the first opening round match. Because you had three women in this tournament that could have you could have strapped a rocket to. And I'm going to get to that in a second. Because the match that we're actually getting is Zelina Vega versus Dewdrop. Dewdrop, formerly known as Piper Nevin. Now, if you guys will remember a while back when they did that whole Worlds Collide series where it was people from all the brands facing each other, there I, I praised from the rooftops Piper Niven versus Zelina Vega versus Bianca Belair. I mean, it was basically Piper Niven versus Zelina Vega and Bianca Belair was there too doing her stupid hair whip bullshit. But we don't need to talk about that right now. It was great. I hadn't seen that much of Piper Niven other than the Mae Young Classic up until that point, and we hadn't seen a whole lot of Zelina Vega because Zelina Vega wasn't being allowed to wrestle. Zelina Vega hardly wrestled at all on NXT, and she hardly wrestled at all on the main roster until Andrade left, and then they got her back, and JD from New York got real, real triggered about that, didn't he? Oh, yes. Um, so I should be excited to see Zelina Vega versus Piper Niven without Bianca Belair in the way, but I'm not because they've they've turned Piper Niven into Dewdrop and they've made her weird and Zelina Vega's awesome. I'm happy for her to have success, but if you look at the other options on here, I mean you had Natalia in there because Natalia's always there. You had Tamina in there because I think for Natalia it was a bring your friend to work day type thing. But I mean you got Shayna Baszler in there 
who's a fucking force if you let her be, who's been trapped in this endless tag team storyline with Nia Jax forever, who's only out of it now because Nia Jax is fucked off for a bit, who should have been there? The, t the finals should have been Zelina Vega versus Shayna Baszler. Zelina Vega comes out, does some cocky heel bullshit, and gets killed by Shayna Baszler. I mean, look where it's happening. It's kind of appropriate. Anyways, my bigger problem with all this is you've got two fan favorites in here that you kicked out on the first night, and that's Liv Morgan and that's Tony Storm. Now, Tony Storm has the following of NXT UK and NXT proper fans and hasn't been given enough to let that fandom swell over into SmackDown. So, them eliminating her Okay, I get it, because she was eliminated by Zelina Vega. People are a little bit more familiar with Zelina Vega. That's fine. They have to get to a point where they acknowledge the fan support behind Liv Morgan. And keeping her in this never-ending feud that she's got with Carmella ain't it. When they put her in there, and I'm like, this is going to be the final, you could have... Again, I, I, I don't want to keep sounding like I'm shitting on Zelina Vega. I keep pulling her out of the scenario. But the finals of this... If, if I had booked it, and if I had predicted it, and I think I did predict it at one point, would would have been Liv Morgan versus Shayna Baszler, because either she gets killed in a really sympathetic way, carries that sympathy over to SmackDown, pulls herself up by, by her bootstraps, climbs the roster, and maybe gets herself a title shot later on down the line. You can do that, or she gets the David and Goliath victory over Shayna Baszler. It's another feel-good moment. You get a feel-good person holding that crown for the first time. It's a feel-good moment at the gigantic house show that we all know that this is. The crowd gets a pop. Everybody gets to smile and cheer, and we all get to be a little bit of a part of history and a little bit of a part of making uh, places that aren't so great a little bit more great. But they didn't do that. They've given us Vega and Dewdrop, and it's going to be Dewdrop, isn't it? Because... Only WWE would bring two wrestlers that I like together in a way that a version of a wrestler that I like, that I don't like, that didn't make any sense at all. You've got two wrestlers that I like, and this one wrestler that I like, you've made a version of her that I don't like, and she's going to win, and I'm going to be bummed about it, and... Again, I go back to the beginning of my whole point. This has been a ramble. I apologize. I need a co-host. Uh, <laughs> they've done something great. They've just done a really shitty job of it, is my take on that. So, yeah, I think Vega Vega takes the big L here. She gets squashed by uh, Dewdrop. You get a really good competitive match between Balor and Woods. The match between Balor and Woods, I said I said you, you can't lose either way. You can't lose either way because the match is also going to be fucking phenomenal. That match will get time. The ladies' match probably won't get time for all the uh, advocates out there that are, oh my god, they only got a couple minutes each and all that kind of thing. I agree with you in this case. I agree with you on all the shows leading up to it because on all the shows leading up to it, all the women's time has been dedicated to Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, and a little bit of Becky Lynch, but even even then, not so much, and uh, it's all a mess. Um, there are women on this roster that could afford to get a lot less time, and women on this roster that could afford to be a lot more time. Now, I, I will say that, that, oh, because, you know, none of them are big blonde Barbie dolls, right? Take Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose has never had a championship. She's got a championship match next Tuesday against, um, what's her name? Raquel Gonzalez. She had to wait until she wasn't blonde anymore to get that title shot. 
something for you to think about. Um, so let's, let's we might as well just go off into that match there. Banks versus Lynch versus Belair. And unfortunately, I'm going to put the fact that I can't stand Banks or Belair aside for a second. The match is going to be great. The match is going to be, it's going to be a, a good little plunder brawl because it being a triple threat match allows it to be no DQ. There's going to be a couple weapon shots. There's going to, you're probably going to see Sasha Banks's uh, brass knucks. You're probably going to see something in Bianca Belair's hair, which is only going to reinforce how stupid it is, but that's fine. We don't need to worry about it. And Becky Lynch is going to take the L here. This is the thing. When they announced, because Bianca Belair, here, here's where you have to do WWE math. And I hate WWE math. Uh, because I should be looking at the match and the characters in the story to see who I want to win, when really it's just WWE math that tells you who's going to win. Charlotte, right now, is the Raw champion. She's moving over to SmackDown. Now, you've got two people that have gone over to Raw, and that's Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair had a match on Raw against Charlotte Flair for the Raw title. Now, what would have made sense is... For her to win that title because Charlotte's coming to SmackDown, and for the only person that's staying on SmackDown being Sasha Banks to win the SmackDown title, and then, I mean, you keep the belts where they're supposed to be, but then you take the belts off the two most talented women in the division at the same time, do you not, I mean... You can, you can hate Charlotte Flair all you want, but she is the best woman they have on that main event roster bar none. I mean, you've got people close. You've got your Beckys, your Baileys, your Oscars, uh, your Shayna Baszler's in a very different way. Your Natalia's in a very different way. Um, hey, Charlotte, all you want, but don't try to pass off the nonsense. Oh, she's just a, she's just a blonde, like, leggy blonde that WWE likes and Vince likes and, like, they're going to strip it off of her, and the other one's going to go to the other one. And The two best things you have in that division are about to lose both of their titles, and that's just... It's a bit shit. I mean, it makes sense. It keeps the belts where they're supposed to be. The draft was a little bit messy. The draft would have been cleaner if you threw the belt on Bianca Belair. God knows, you know, she hasn't been handed enough already. But... I mean, it's banks by process of elimination. It's banks by, as I say, WWE math rather than anything I actually want to happen. Technical difficulties, but, um, ahoy. Let's just straighten out the camera. There we go. We got three more matches to talk about. They're the three biggest matches of the night. Let's get the predictable one out of the way. Big E's beating Drew McIntyre, isn't he? Now, I don't need to say much about that. Big E just got that title. Everybody loves that Big E got that title. Drew McIntyre is doomed to only succeed in these big scenarios when nobody's there to see it, which is incredibly sad. Uh, but also, he's going to SmackDown, so that kind of makes sense. More WWE math for you. But I hope... I hope they play up at some point that all of his... Uh, successes, all of his accomplishments basically happened while nobody was there to see them. I hope he stomps into SmackDown on Friday pissed off and like, whoever it is whether it's Roman or, or Brock and we get there and we're going to get there in a second I hope he stomps onto SmackDown while whoever, whichever one of them is celebrating and just kicks one of them in the nuts and says, guess what, you know, like not, not a complete Goldberg, but definitely an I'm next type thing um I don't know. I 
I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say about this one because I like Drew McIntyre. I like, you know, the Drew McIntyre that kind of doesn't give a shit, who can have a laugh at the crowd and kick your head off at the same time. I don't like that they did the whole, oh, we're going to be competitors soon, so we better, you know, we better be a tag team right now against tag teams that don't usually get any victories ever. Ever. By the way, ever. Um... I don't know. I wish I had more to say about this one. I really don't. Uh, it's kind of the same thing as Lashley Goldberg. Um, they took the belt off Lashley so that him losing in Saudi Arabia wouldn't be so bad, or him winning in Saudi Arabia wouldn't be so bad. Goldberg's going to beat Lashley, or it's going to... I... I wish I could be excited about this one. I do. Um, everybody has said for a long time now, because of their their activities outside of WWE, that they want to see Lashley versus Lesnar one day. And I think that match, when it does happen, because I think it will happen, that match eventually will be fantastic. With Brock Lesnar being a free agent, if he doesn't win the title and decides to show up on Raw next, I think you get... I don't know when you would do it, like, because there's no December pay-per-view, and it won't happen at Survivor Series, because that's all the brand versus brand stuff, and I don't think they would save it as far as the Rumble, but they're doing that WWE Day 1 thing on New Year's Day. Um, the fact, uh, the announcement that was made earlier this week, or at the end of last week, that there's no December pay-per-view, because there's one on January 1st. Well, the one on January 1st is basically your December pay-per-view, because at the end of January, you're also going to get the Rumble. Maybe they throw that on as the marquee match at, uh, at WWE Day 1. Lashley versus Lesnar, that's fine. Now, that, that, that'll live up to the hype. I... I wish this Lashley was taking on WCW's Goldberg. We saw the Goldberg-Undertaker match that nobody wants to talk about. And I really hope that that doesn't happen again. I mean, the Hurt Business got thrown back together because I think one of them is going to eat a jackhammer. It's not going to be Lashley because that could go real bad, real fast. Um, Goldberg's the babyface. His kid got attacked last time these two guys were in the same ring. You gotta believe WWE is gonna give him the feel-good win, and also because Saudi Arabia wants to see some legends, and Goldberg is a legend, whether you th whether people think so or not. And I don't know. At this point, it's Oldberg, and I hate using that cliche because you know age is nothing but a number, and Sting is still wrestling. Look at what he's doing over in AEW, which is legitimately fantastic. But in this case. As I say, look back at that match with The Undertaker and how they both kind of fell apart. I don't think Lashley gets anything from winning this match. And that's terrible, considering Goldberg, former multiple-time champion, current Hall of Famer, there should be some name value that comes from that, and there just, there just isn't. I have a feeling Goldberg gets the win. He's going to spear Lashley after jackhammering one of the smaller guys. It's probably going to be Cedric Alexander, who's going to bump like crazy for him and not get any credit whatsoever. Isn't that sad? Roman versus Brock. Roman versus Brock is so much fun. And it's it's the best thing going in WWE right now. I've got things that I like. I like Austin Theory. I like Jeff Hardy for for all my sins. I like a lot of the weird kooky shit that new NXT is doing that we're going to talk about um later on. There's a lot of things that I find fun, but like there's one thing that sort of across the board seems to be the one that everybody loves, and that's this Brock Lesnar, um, Roman Reigns thing. This babyface 
I don't give a fuck Brock Lesnar is a lot of fun with his like little weird mohawk ponytail thing that he's got going on like fresh out of a lumberyard Brock Lesnar is a lot of fun and Roman Reigns the tribal chief the the head of the table all that kind of thing it it's worked ever since Roman's come back and the way that they've done this do you remember and everybody's made this comparison but I'm going to make it too because it worked do you remember a couple of years ago leading up into Wrestlemania where this was the match that nobody wanted to see and the go home raw ended up on, ended on them having that really childish tug of war with the belt and all that sort of thing they're doing that again, except everybody cares about this, everybody loves this, and the tug-of-war is over Paul Heyman. Everything in me wants Roman to win this, but there's a shock value factor to A, Brock coming in and squashing him, B, Paul Heyman coming in and doing the old switcheroo on the Tribal Chief, I'm predicting Roman. I know that logically it makes sense for it to be Roman. I, most of me wants it to be Roman. There's a little bit of me. There's a little bit of me that wants to see him walk into the ring, eat an F5, and lose his title in 10 seconds because Paul Heyman kicked him in the dick or something. I want to laugh at this show. I really, really do. And the last one is... is other than the obvious best thing going on in WWE right now, which is Brock and Roman. I'm not denying that whatsoever. I love how ridiculous Roman Reigns, or sorry, uh, Seth Rollins and Edge has been. I love Edge bringing back the brood stuff at WrestleMania. I love the, the corny as shit home invasion stuff. I love them playing up Edge's neck injury and, oh, I'm going to go for your neck again, but, like, people can't really hate on me because it's just, it's an approved wrestling move that was used in the context of a wrestling match, and it's the best story because when the heel is telling the truth, it pisses off everybody a little bit more. Seth Rollins coming out in all his fucking ridiculous suits up until the point of last Friday getting called Harley Quinn by the crowd is great. And you know what? It's in Hell in the Cell, and... Edge is going to go into that, you know, sort of goth, sort of dark, sort of broody type of element once again against this guy. And Seth Rollins is already associated with really, really horrible Hell in the Cell uh, scenarios, the thing with the Fiend notwithstanding. Um, I do think Edge gets his victory back here. Edge's family got fucked with, sort of. I mean, all Rollins really did was sit on his furniture and drink orange juice, but it's a PG product. There's not much you can do other than have Goldberg threaten to kill people in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so, I love Rollins. I think he's going to be squashed comically in this, in this match. I think Edge is going to have a lot of fun killing him in the match, and this time it's not going to be under an ugly red light, so we're actually going to be able to see it. If, if WWE... I, everybody else will hate it. I'll be the one person in my my one little like cube of space here on on this big blue marble that we're all on. I'll probably be the only one to laugh. But if Edge reaches under the ring and pulls out Bray Wyatt's comedy mallet and smashes and smashes Rollins with it, and that's how he wins the match, I'm here for it.
I'm here for it. That's it. That's what needs to happen. We need the comedy mallet. I mean, this is going to happen midway through the show, but like, if the show ended with 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 the uh, edge chasing edge uh, edge chasing Rollins around with the comedy mallet, and they both get counted out in a hell in the cell match, I I would love that. I want this match to be stupid. I want this match to be ridiculous. This is the match that can be ridiculous because nobody cares about the tag match Mansoor's is going to be a feel-good thing king of the ring is going to be a feel-good thing uh queen's crown is kind of eh. the women's match is going to be the women's match drew and Big E is going to be a predictable thing roman and brock is an interesting story but it can't get too stupid this is the match that needs to be stupid folks and what do we tune in for we all scream all year long how much the saudi arabia shows don't matter. So if this match is stupid and you get all twisted up about it, you're revealing yourself as a hypocrite. And that's one of my favorite parts of these whole shows. Because you got people that hate them. You got people that think they're fun, like me. You got the people that are going to say that they don't matter. But the people screaming that they don't matter at all are going to pick apart everything that happened on them. And that just that just makes me laugh, guys. I'm not going to lie. That just makes me laugh. Anyways, I don't have much more to say about this show, quite honestly. I didn't think I was going to talk this long about it. All I did was plug the matches into my phone just to remind myself what they, what they were. And I mean, as I say, the Raw Tag Team title match, I could give a shit about less. They could toss that off the show. Everything else in here has something to it. Maybe not something that I like. Maybe not something that's going to go my way. Every other match on this card has something to it. And you can't even say that about a regular WWE pay-per-view. So let's let's relax a little bit. Let's take a deep breath. Let's have a bit of fun. Deep breath. Let's all enjoy Crown Jewel, even the ones that are pretending that they're not going to watch it. Anyways, I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all of these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I'll talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, I am tagging out. Bye, guys.